back to the Practical Family Podcast. This is your host, Jennifer Bryant, and you're listening to episode 83, Recognizing the Triggers in Your Marriage, Part 2. Welcome back to Part 2 of this fun episode where we get to hear from Amber and Guy Leah, authors of the book Marriage Triggers, Exchanging Spouses' Angry Reactions for Gentle biblical responses. In part two of this episode, Amber and Guy share a little bit more with us about the struggles of their marriage and how they have come to understand each other better by growing closer to God. Guy says, we still have triggers, but we now have tools to deal with them better. So the tools that Amber and Guy talk about are very practical and also come from a very real place. Amber says, your spouse's personality was not designed to trigger you. It was designed to compliment you. Well, how about that? I do need help remembering that most days. But uh, the fact that we can see ourselves as equally flawed human beings in need of a perfect and holy God is the place to start. So join me again in listening to Amber and Guy Leah share. And just as a reminder, you can visit Amber's website at amberlea.com or motherofnights.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-S as they are raising four sweet little boys right now. You will enjoy her blog posts. I know it. And enjoy the other books that she's written with co-author Wendy Speak. And their ministry is just, is just beautiful. So here we go. Part two of Recognizing the Triggers in Your Marriage. And if I could say from me, my perspective, I think that I found myself caught up in life at the time, the transition for my job, the transition for my marriage, the transition into parenting, all these things happen at the same time. And I think that I lost the purpose of why I wanted to get married. Um, and I lost the intentionality of, of creating a relationship with my wife. And I got really caught up in that for many, many years. And I finally had to realize that this is a growing, wonderful, organic thing that I'm called to be purposeful with. And to, I'm, I'm called to love my wife just like you know, Christ loved the church. And if I don't remember that I'm trying to glorify the Lord by the way that I love on my wife and the way that I create our relationship, if I'm not doing that, then I'm going to fail not only in my relationship, but also in my faith. And so I, I had to make sure that I really understood what my intention was for getting married, what my intention was for being a parent, all those things to get back to breathing life into this relationship so that I could breathe life into my faith and breathe life into all these things and bring it all back together. And that's what I had to really do. That is very cool, Guy, because I'm, I'm hearing these themes of just continuity, unity, pieces were missing because your focus was all in one way. And, and that's how men can get, I mean, is what I understand yeah. how, how my husband explains it to me sometimes is that because he gets so focused on being the provider and making sure that we have that security, that if he feels like it rests on him, you know. I wish he was here with me. I don't want to speak completely for him. Right. <laughs> but, but the understanding what I'm hearing and, and for other wives to understand and your family takes two of you, you know, and, and one or both of us is going to feel left out or not seen or not considered or disrespected or unloved. 
And that those things, like you were saying, Amber, comes from a place inside of us that, that is hurting, that is broken, or we allow it to be broken because we keep harboring the selfishness, you know? And it's hard to say that because we all have needs. And if we're not seeking to get our needs met, or first of all, if we're not communicating them, we can't expect our spouse to understand. Yeah, and that's, I would lose sight of that a lot of times and just go into being a martyr again and you don't get mm-hmm. me and you're supposed to get, and putting all the responsibility mm-hmm. on my husband because I was feeling all these things, but how is he supposed to understand that? And that wasn't fair to him. And that was a lot of pressure on him mm-hmm. too. When you were talking, Amber, about being able to just control what we can do, it's like self-control versus others' control because I can't make my spouse do or be anything that he's not or that he's not personally convicted to do or be, nor can we do that to our wives as husbands. What had to break within you in order to just focus on you and not worry about what husband was doing or not doing? Well, it just, it it was easy because it wasn't working the other way around, (laughs) you know? I mean, it just created a much more drama and conflict. Every time I try to be guy's Holy Spirit, it just ends poorly. It just does. And there's the difference. I think when we, when we nag, when we're critical, when we're always showing our worst side, our spouses have a hard time seeing our better nature. Even when our intentions are good, If we're, if we're approaching it the wrong way, it's not going to go smoothly. So one thing that I had to realize was there's got to be a better method, practically speaking, for us to resolve issues that we have because every couple's going to have their things. And so one of the things we talk about in the chapter, I think it might be on guys chapter on a vision for your marriage, instead of letting today look just like yesterday and tomorrow looking just like today. Mm-hmm. We really encourage couples to do something really simple and practical to, you know, get over these hurdles of um, trying to change each other. One of the things that we recommend is set a time, try to just take once a month, even, even better if you could do it once a week, where we're talking even just setting the kids up playing outside or playing in the basement where you two have coffee time. If you can't get a babysitter, where you just have a coffee date, where that's your time, where you both agree, you can kind of lay some groundwork for yourselves. Hey, this is a time when we're going to talk about some of these triggers or issues specifically. Um, It could be anything from the way you're communicating. Like you could have a trigger where your, your spouse says or does something that comes off to you. is just really disrespectful or they are always overlooking a specific need that you have. Whatever it may be, maybe it's the backseat driving, you know, whatever. Take, take a couple of things that, that are your biggest triggers and agree, hey, we're going to have this coffee date once a month. And if you can do something where you can get a babysitter and you can have more prolonged time, even better. But make a commitment that you're going to lovingly come together without a spirit of offense and mm-hmm. say, let's talk about a couple of these things. Here's something for me. And I think it's helpful to say, Again, tone of voice and body language is everything. When we come together, I can say, hey, guy, you know, I feel like when you do this kind of complaining thing where you do a huff and puff over little things around the house, it really kind of like sucks the joy out of my heart. Like I know that the Bible tells us that we should serve one another gladly, that we should serve the Lord with gladness. 
could you maybe work on that? It would be a blessing to me. And, and what could we replace the huff and puff with? You know, could we do something? And like, really, it's a time where you're both open and receptive to hearing from your spouse. And it may not be easy to hear, but when you come together gently like that and with practical ways to and bring awareness. And outside of conflict. Yeah. Outside and to bring, of conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and to bring awareness and to say, let's work on this for this next month. Mm-hmm. And and we give each other permission, like, hey, remember, we're going to lighten up over these kinds of conversations. So let's try to just breathe for a minute. Like, we give each other in those hour to two hour times once a month where we come together to say certain things, to do certain things, to give each other reminders because we're a team and we want to improve our marriage. And so having that time to really do that is good. You know, it's a time for Guy to be able to say to me, hey, you know what? Um, I think, you know, our spending's off a little bit in this area. Let's look at this at this time. You know, could you try this instead? You know, could you do that? Whatever the case may be, it is that time where we get to lovingly confront each other or talk through issues and work on communication and come up with some practical things that we can try to implement over the next month or so and see how they work. And then just trying to be really patient and gracious with each other in those moments, but take the time to set those meetings with each other. And so that you're not just always addressing issues in an argument in the middle of a trigger. Right, right. And I, this is, uh, reminds me of something I wanted to ask you guy anyway, because you had mentioned on a video that you and Amber did on, on your Facebook page about you kind of need more time to process things you you have found as a man. Uh, whereas, um, Amber wants to kind of tackle things right now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, I get yeah. you, sister. I get it. Get it done. And so, yeah. uh, you know, those that, that can be, you know, our downfall as women sometimes too. Mm-hmm. But um, I find that, that my husband's the same way. He, he needs to take the time to process. And so we have agreed that if we have grievances, you know, give, give him a heads up so he can process and he doesn't get defensive right away. Do you find yourself reacting in the same way or has that become better for you now? Or Yeah, it's definitely become better. I, I think in general, they say that men compartmentalize things and situations. And so we we're kind of here dealing with this situation right here. And my wife wants to talk about this and this, and I, I can't, I can't do those two things right now because I'm right. I'm, I'm here right now. So if you want me to come over to here and talk to you about this, then give me a minute. And let me switch gears. And now let's talk about this. Not, not all guys are like that. I think that I'm, I'm probably a little more overly sensitive um, about these kinds of situations than a lot of guys might be. Um, Amber and I have found that we have kind of opposite roles, male, female, in some situations. And this is one of those. Um, I'm, I'm not good at dealing with conflict in the moment. And that's why I think I kind of uh, chimed in a few moments ago when Amber was talking about dealing with these situations, like setting aside time outside of conflict. Because for me, inside of conflict, um, when Amber starts to mention something to me and I'm in the middle of something, I'm, I'm not ready to receive it. And I get, I start to feel like a lion in a cage. Mm-hmm. And I, it makes me very antsy and angry. And I, I react inappropriately because mm-hmm. I'm the lion in the cage and I want to get out. Versus her saying, Let's take a beat and can we talk about this later? Can you and I walk away from the kids right now and go into the other room and let's talk about this right now so that we can figure this out and move on? I had to learn how to communicate that to Amber, that that was a need of mine. But I think Amber kind of knew and very quickly gave me that time 
to, to process things. And it really helped that she was sensitive enough to see that and changed her own behavior in order to give me room and time. And we still, in all of these things, we still deal with all of these triggers all the time. So we're, we're not fixed by any means because there's so many new factors that come in. So these are things that, that we still are dealing with even today, but we now have tools in order to deal with them better instead of lashing out at each other and, uh, and wanting to just separate from each other. We have better tools to say, wait a minute, let's stop for a minute and kind of figure this out and come back together again. Mm. It gets us back on track much more quickly than mm-hmm. wasting time off track together. Mm-hmm. Amen. And Guy has agreed to just agree with me more often, and that makes things a lot easier, yes, too. Yes, that's true. That is very, <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> yeah, just agree with everything I say, and we're good. We're just taking a short break to introduce you to this episode's sponsor. Being married can be great. But it can also feel lonely, frustrating, and sometimes confusing. If you're hungry for a safe community of wives who support, encourage, and challenge you in your walk as a wife, A Wife Like Me is the place for you. The A Wife Like Me community offers new content every week on their website, the fun and hilarious A Wife Like Me podcast, and weekly videos. The team of wives from across the country share genuine struggles on topics ranging from intimacy to communication to in-law struggles and self-care to balancing it all. A Wife Like Me also released their book, Dear Wife, 10-Minute Invitations to Practice Connection with Your Husband to help you, the busy mom, grow closer to your husband in just 10 minutes a day. Visit awifelikeme.com to discover how you can thrive in life and in marriage. And now back to episode 83, Recognizing the Triggers in Your Marriage, Part 2, with Amber and Guy Leah. And this exactly, you know, learning to express your need and then the other learning how to understand that it, that's real others mindedness on, on a daily basis in our closest relationship. Like we hear at church all the time, let's be others minded. Let's serve other people. It's hard to serve your spouse when, when you have this expectation, like you're saying this intimacy expectation of them to just know you, get you, understand you. And I I love knowing now that that is unrealistic. I mean, I didn't think that that would be as freeing as it is. But honestly, when we look at the needs of the other person in the room, it's freeing. It's ridiculously freeing. Well, and I I think also, Jennifer, too, what another just simple thing that helps us a lot and that was really good for me to remember is that we're on the same team. Mm And when we're on the same team, taking the, the hit, so to speak, doing the humble thing, um, doing the right thing is a lot easier because I know that that in the end is only a blessing for me too, because we're a team. So instead of just thinking, well, I'm just going to be a martyr and do the right thing. And, and you know, woe is me when I recognize, no, this is, this has an eternal impact. I'm on God's team. We're on God's team. Our, our goal here is to glorify God and to be a light and to grow personally. And then we're also a team together as a couple and as a family with our kids. So if we're going to make choices about the way we talk and the things that we do, 
with the mindset that we're a team, it helps me remember that we are for each other. It also helps me be more empathetic, I think, and compassionate towards Guy when I recognize he's not really the boogie monster. He's not really a bad guy <laughs> trying to set out to hurt me. Yeah. He really is um, my spouse and we're on the same team. And so I need to slow down my being quick to judge and really consider his perspective a little bit more or have a little compassion or empathy. Um, and to, you know, again, look for ways that I can outdo him in showing honor because that's what it is to be on a team. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's believing the best about each other. It's, you keep mentioning this chapter that we have about, about um, backseat driving. And uh, that was one of the, one of the things we talked about in that is, you know, I had to get to a place where Amber is just a backseat driver and it drives me absolutely nuts. And part of it is because I'm already Sorry. in a stressful situation, in LA traffic. You've got crazy people driving in with no signals and traffic that goes on for hours and you're late for everything. And it just, it's already a stressful situation. And then to have, you know, Amber chime in about certain things, it just used to drive me nuts. But I had to get to a place where I believe the best about Amber mm. and believe that she's not backseat driving because she wants to be in control and tell me what to do. Mm. She's concerned about those precious kids we have in the back. She's concerned about us. She's concerned about our car. And so she has the right intention. And if I believe the best about her, then I can respond in a way that is loving to her. And if it becomes egregious, I still can be loving and still can say, you know what, honey, it doesn't help when you respond to me that way in the middle of a stressful situation. So if you could take a step back or calm down or quiet down, that would be very helpful. You know, I can respond that way and let her know. And then she goes, Oh, okay. You're right. That's fine. But I'm believing the best about her. And it's an intentional step towards every interaction has to be a step forward in a relationship. Right. And, and those we've are those come kinds a long way with our backseat yes. driving yeah. interactions. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure yeah. this has gotten better over time. And it's interesting though, because we don't know how our responses are affecting our spouse even because we respond, you know, defensively or have the best intentions, but, but until they let us know, I don't, I didn't realize that the way I respond affects you so negatively. And that's just, right. that's good communication and that's honest communication. Yeah. And that's what we hope to get to for sure. Um, the last thing I want to cover before we end today is the whole personality thing, because our expectations generally come from this place inside of us that whether we're, uh, we grew up a certain way or whether God just gave us this natu these natural tendencies that we are different people and we internally value different things. And so coming to a place where instead of feeling constantly misunderstood, that we constantly understand that grace is in order for each of us because we're not the same person. We don't think the same way. How have you guys had to reconcile your, your personalities over the years and how has that changed? A couple of things I think it's important to remember. Again, when we believe the best about each other and we recognize that God brought us together for a reason, we could have very different personalities, but your personality differences in your spouse create your unique marriage personality. And that is by God's design. 
So when you start realizing, hey, yes, our personalities may trigger us <laughs> toward arguing and fighting on occasion or toward anger, but it doesn't have to. If I start thinking about my spouse's personality really as a gift that creates our own unique marriage personality, it goes so much better for us in our perspective. That way I'm less triggered by the things about guys' personality that are different from mine. And I'm more willing to look at them as a compliment to my personality and to mm. our marriage because God has a purpose for your marriage. And your marriage personality is the only one that can accomplish God's purposes. Where you live, your church community, your family, your personalities as parents, that is exactly what your kids, your church, your community needs in order to fulfill God's plan and purposes for your marriage and for your lives and your neighbors and your neighborhood. So thinking about it that way, I think really, really helps. You also have to understand that your spouse's personality was not designed to trigger you. It may feel like that sometimes, but really it was designed to compliment you. Guy and I are very different. He can speak to this in a minute too, but I am very type A. I am super organized. When I have an idea, I want to immediately implement it. And so I will often steamroll right over Guy's ideas or thoughts. And also I have gotten us into trouble because I just plow headlong into something mm. when I should have held back and thought it through more. And that's where Guy compliments me. The fact that he is a little bit slower to make decisions. He wants to think things through. There's a lot of wisdom in that. He's much more patient about things than I am. So if both of us were as headstrong as me, we'd probably be in a lot more disastrous situations. And so thankfully, um, I have a husband who can slow me down a little bit and work through things. So, you know, this is a, an opportunity for me to recognize that his personality really is a compliment to me and not a problem for me. <laughs> Guy, do you want to add to and, that? Yeah. And on, on, the, on the other side of that is I have to remember that I, I look at a lot of relationship through the eyes of sports, just because it, it's a great way for me to understand playing sports at the high school and college level and clubs post-college. It just allows me as a, as, as a guy to kind of understand things a little bit better. So when you take any sport, you have people that have different strengths and that's why there's different positions. But mm -hmm. if you were to take away any one of those positions, the team would not function as well. And so for me to realize that Amber has certain strengths and talents and gifts that I need in order for me to be the best me that I can be, then I'm willing to look for those gifts that she has that she can contribute and make me better. Mm. I'm definitely much more laid back, but that also means that I can be too laid back and I can allow things to go undone. And Amber has brought me to a place where I'm getting better. I'm still learning. I'm still getting better at that. But, but yes. um, you know, that's, that's something that she has just has really changed for me um, by, you know, getting me a planner, you know, and I'm, I'm, I work through my planner and I plan my days out and I schedule things. And these are things I didn't used to necessarily do. So she's a fantastic quarterback, if you will. And I'm a great receiver and running back. And if it weren't for us working together, we wouldn't be able to function together as a successful teams. And so that's just something that just is, is so important for us to be able to do that. And the other thing is like, we just went to a basketball game yesterday 
And we commented, Amber and I looked at each other in the middle of the game and we're just like, wow, they just know where each other's going to be, mm. you know? So when I fail, I know where Amber is and that she's going to be there probably to pick me up in that moment or to be exactly where I need her to be in order for me to make a play for us. And, and that's what we saw. And, and I think that that's what we're working towards is so that we, we do know each other so well that we can accept those differences and make sure that they're contributed to the effort that we have together. Our marriages were planned before we even came together, before we even met. I, I fully believe that Amber and I were brought together for a very specific reason. And I cannot allow life and the things that are happening in our lives to pull us apart because this was destined before we even came together. So we need to do the work in order to continue to make this thing happen and successful and joyful and a blessing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are just continuing to do. And I think we'll continue to do that for the mm -hmm. rest of our, our relationship. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, you guys heard from the authors of Marriage Triggers, January 28th, 2020. Marriage Triggers is on sale wherever books are sold. Gosh, seriously, going through this as a devotional, I think is the best idea right now because one issue at a time, really. I found that I was, as I was reading through this, I was going, okay, I needed to read that and process that idea. Mm -hmm. And when I moved on to the next day, I was like, whoa, how did they know I was going through that right now? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we had a lot of research over the years for yeah. what, what are the things that people struggle yeah. with the most. And so we hope that it will be very practical one day at a time. And also we haven't been sharing this yet much, but we just formed a new study where we're going to be, obviously, like you said, the book will be available January 28th. And then on March 15th, that so gives people a month or so, a little over a month to get their hands on a copy of the book. We're going to, we're going to open up a big Facebook group online. We're going to do a book study of marriage triggers for anyone and everyone who would like to join. And so if anybody goes to um, my website, my blog, Amber Leah or mother of they can sign up for my newsletter and when they sign up for my newsletter, I'll be sending out all the details about how to join that Facebook group for March 15th. And so um, we'll be able to do this just one chapter a day over the course of a weekday of about five, six week period. And we'll get to do it together as a devotional. Wonderful. Great. Well, if I can just join the rest of the moms and dads listening to this episode right now, we're grateful for your struggle. It sounds weird, but... We have to be real about these things. We have yeah. to be. We have to be honest because when we're not and everything seems like it looks perfect, it, it does not, not give others the room to feel like they can struggle. And this is That's the foundation right. of marriage right here. So thank You're you. You're so right, Jennifer. You're so right. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. You've been listening to episode 83 of the Practical Family Podcast, Recognizing the Triggers in Your Marriage, Part 2. If you've been blessed by any part of this episode, do us a favor and share it. Share it from wherever you're listening, whether it's on iTunes or wherever you're listening to podcasts. You can also share an episode links from social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to get more 
episodes as they come out. We're producing about two episodes a month, give or take right now, and it's an exciting time to be producing podcasts when we are part of such a global community. So here at Practical Family, we're doing our part to help to encourage and strengthen moms for everyday struggles. Be sure to visit us at practicalfamily.org for more great content and help for your family. And don't miss our once a month episodes in the Strong Enough series where we are saying, moms, you are already enough. And let's look at some really practical ways to tap into your strengths, live loved, and give the best of yourself to your family. If you haven't seen it already, we have a strong enough Facebook group that is dedicated to that podcast series where moms can join in the discussion, share stories, and participate directly with the new episodes as they come up. Thank you again for listening to the Practical Family Podcast, where we are here to strengthen moms for real life struggles and help you discover your gifts and embrace grace. Grace.